You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani. We've got a great show in store for you today as the Broncos make a change at the offensive coordinator position. Pat Shermer coming in. Plus, we'll get into Randy Gratishar being snubbed for the Hall of Fame. And then uh, we'll get into a, a Pro Bowl update and uh, some emails and some of your voice and a voicemail from uh, from a trusty listener. Uh as always, joined in the studio by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime, really just my everything, at Eric Delala. Phil, good to be with you. Are you happy today? Or? Of course. It's been a nice day. It has been a nice day. Yeah, we're just... Uh, Sunny. You know, it's the off-season, Phil, but it yeah. feels like things are happening, you know, fast and furious. Yeah. I mean, a lot of uh, things are changing all around us a lot of things to uh, report about and uh you know we thought it was going to be pretty quiet around here but uh you know there's always something happening in broncos country and as an r that's really all you can ask for yeah we like to report on things right swanson what do you like to do well first let's introduce ben swanson is that is that your introduction joining us in studio (laughs) trying out for the role of podcast supervisor once again it's Ben Swanson. Thank you, Phil. What do I have to do to get to just trusty sidekick level? I'm not sure you if you could ever Is that get a, that. That's yeah, not I'm an not attainable sure. goal. I wouldn't count on that. I'm not counting on it. It's Especially, something to reach for. Swanson, uh, I'll tell you one thing. To reach for that, you had got to come in with a better attitude than you did this morning. <laughs> yeah, you were a little grumpy. You were grumpy this morning. Let's just admit it. Well, I was up very early hoping for Randy Granishar to get into the Hall of Fame. And then he just, they just forgot to, like he was even part of it. They forgot See, to name him. So my question to you is, are you grumpy because he didn't get in? Or are you grumpy just because you had to wake up early? If Swanson doesn't uh, get his, both. his 12 hours of sleep, he just is not in good shape. Yeah. The hair, the face, everything was just not. But, but I would say kind of like how Justin Simmons w- wasn't even a Pro Bowl alternate. Swanson, I don't know if you're a sidekick alternate at this point. <laughs> There's no other options. <laughs> a lot of people got to go down. Let's just say exactly, that. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is eye-opening <laughs> and, frankly, quite disappointing. <laughs> you, you already got rid of Emily, so. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. the Hurricanes. Congrats on the new job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please drive to Raleigh immediately. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but uh, when we're when Eric and I are doing our things, what is it that you like to do? I mean, I also do some more things. I've been, uh, I've been hitting the, uh, I've been hitting the phone calls, calling up Joe Collier, calling up Dennis Smith. That's a ring of famer. What's the, who's the last ring of famer you called? I don't know. Probably, it's probably, probably Steve, Steve Atwater. Atwater. Probably yeah. Steve Atwater. Yeah. <laughs> Just a chat. Yeah. As I tend to do. Anyway, I'm he putting. He is the main man. <laughs> he's a nice guy. He is. I'm putting in the R work too. Well, that's good, Swanson. But I also really like good. doing the A stuff. The what? That's artist. <laughs> artist. Art. Uh-oh. Yeah. We cue the laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, should we dive right into uh, some topics? We can do that. You ready for I that? I love topics. So Broncos uh, announced on Sunday, that was Sunday, right? That uh, 
offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello. They were going to part ways with him in a somewhat of a uh, surprising manner because... A shock, I think the, you could say. A shock. Because the day after the season ended, Vic Fangio was asked if uh, he was going to make any switches at the coordinator positions, and he responded pretty definitively that, no, uh, we like our guys, and we had this young core come in. And then, uh, you know, after some more reflection, it felt like they needed to make a move there, and the move was to bring in Pat Shermer. He had spent the previous two years as the New York Giants head coach, but he has been in this league for a very long time, a very veteran play caller, uh, has been an offensive coordinator for a long time, most recently with the Minnesota Vikings, and was able to do some good work there. And He's the old man on the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> he is. He is. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings. You got it. Yep. So, uh, Eric, my question to you is, uh, what do you think about the change? Well, I think to start off with, one of the things is that I don't think if Pat Shermer hadn't been available that Rich Scangarello and the Broncos would have parted ways. I think that the way that Vic Fangio talked about Rich Scangarello at the end of the year was that Drew Locke and Rich did some th- some good things together toward the end of the year. Rich was growing as a play caller. Um, Vic said in his statement that Rich has a bright future ahead of him. Um, but ultimately, I think the fact that Pat Shermer was available you know, it was probably too good of an opportunity to pass up. Um, and look, it's not like Pat Shermer's offenses have ranked one, two, or three every year. If you look at their scoring offenses over the last six years that he's either been an offensive coordinator or head coach, you know, he's had, he had a couple really good offenses in Philadelphia, but he also has had some ones that ranked 15th or 16th, and they've just been good enough. They've been average. They've been um, they've won games and. He hasn't had great quarterbacks. We'll talk about that a little bit, I'm sure, Phil. But I think Vic knew the offense had to be better, and Shermer has shown over the years that he can be consistent, and that was enough, I think, to make the move so that at least maybe your offense isn't a top-five offense next year, but even if you can be top-15, that's a substantial upgrade from 28 like it was this year. Well, one thing I would say about Vic Fangio and Rich Scangarello, it always seemed like maybe it was – it wasn't like they were the best of friends, I guess is what I would say. Is like there, you would always hear things after games or whether it was during the week where it feels like, you know, they didn't see things exactly the same way always. I think that that would be fair. And one of them was at the end of the Chargers game at home. Uh, after the Chargers tied that game up, Fangio said that Skingarello wanted to play for overtime, but Fangio overruled him and decided to take the shot to Cortland Sutton. There was pass interference on that play, and the Broncos ultimately ended up in kicking a game-winning field goal. So when to me, whenever you hear about those things, and it was specific that, no, Rich wanted to do this, and I overruled him, maybe there was more going on there. No, I'm not, I don't know anything for sure, but I think maybe there was more going on with that relationship where maybe – a guy like Vic Fangio, who's been in this league for so long, he's a veteran coach himself, enjoys being surrounded by more of a veteran play caller. Well, and I think that one thing when you're a first-time head coach is you have to figure out kind of what you want your identity to be as a team. And I think as the year went on, Vic realized, I want to be an aggressive guy on offense. I want to take shots down the field and take advantage of a mismatch with Cortland Sutton or Noah Fant. You know, I want to 
be creative with the play calling, but also have a person there who can make adjustments and use the personnel the way you want, which are all things that Pat Shermer kind of specializes in. Um, one thing I will say is that I think there's a decent chance that uh, Scangarello becomes a good offensive coordinator in this league. It just might take some time, and I think what the Broncos don't have is time to take that chance that maybe he's going to turn out to be a much better play caller in year two. You have to go with a known commodity, which is Pat Shermer. And another thing you brought up, Phil, is Vic hasn't exactly had a great record against Pat Shermer's offenses. Yeah, I mean, uh, the last couple of years where Vic was in uh, Chicago as the defensive coordinator going up against Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, uh, Pat got the best of Vic a couple of times there. I think the last three times that they went against each other there, Pat came out on top. And then even la- two seasons ago, 2018, Vic's Bears, as the defensive coordinator, lost to the Giants where Pat was off- or was the head coach. But uh, I do agree with you. I do think that Rich Gingarello showed signs of promise. He was really great at scripting the first couple of series there where the Broncos had a lot of success. He had some creativity. You know, he had some different kind of ideas. You could tell that he came from that Shanahan coaching tree. But when it boils down to it, the offense was 28th in the league in total offense and in scoring. And there were nine games this season where they scored 16 points or fewer. Yeah, they haven't been in the top 20 in scoring offense since 2015, and they were barely in it that year. I mean, you have to go back to 2014 since this offense was really dynamic. They've got to find a way to get back to that because if they do, Phil, I mean, they finished off the year 4-1. and one, Things were looking better. The defense played well under Vic. You'd like to think that if you can get that offense to 14th, 15th, 16th, even somewhere in that area, that you're going to be in position to win enough games to go to the postseason. And yeah, I I think that the only hesitation that I had was maybe that Skangarello seemed like he was building pretty good chemistry with Drew Locke, especially at the end of the season. So you do take a little bit of a hit there, but for the Broncos, Pat Shermer is going to be their fifth offensive coordinator in five years. So the to make the move, it shows you that Fangio feels really strongly about Shermer coming in here. Yeah, and I think that it's all about how Drew Locke responds, right? Can he learn another offense, uh, his second one in two years? You don't want to do that to him every year, but he he did that quite a bit at Missouri, so he has some experience. At least he was able to kind of get a feel for what NFL speed was like uh, before he had to change systems again. I just think Shermer has the experience that you want as you're building this offense. Um, and something that's interesting is that because he was a head coach, now you've got him, Mike Munchak, and Vic Fangio. Obviously, Vic, the current head coach, and Shermer and Munchak, former head coaches. To me, that works better this year. Because if you had, say last year, Phil, they talked about Gary Kubiak potentially being the offensive coordinator. I think it would have been a bit strange for some players who played for Kubiak as the head coach to have him lead the offense and Vic lead the defense. But I think after a year, Vic's put his stamp on this team. And now having a guy like Shermer come in, there's going to be no question of who the who the guy is. And this is an experienced coaching staff now. You're talking about guys like Bill Kolar. You're talking about um, Ed Donatel. I mean, these guys have been in the league for a long time. And, uh, no, I completely agree with you. Vic Fangio being able to establish the culture he wants here was important that first year. And then now everybody knows that he's the guy. So 
diving into uh, Pat Shermer a little bit more last two seasons as the head coach of the New York Giants. But before that, he was an offensive coordinator in Minnesota, Philadelphia, St. Louis. He's worked with quarterbacks like Nick Foles, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, and last year worked with Daniel Jones. Jones in 13 games threw for 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So he did show some signs. I think he had two games where he threw for four touchdowns each and had one game where he threw five touchdowns. So Shermer obviously going to get to work here pretty soon with Drew Locke, get those two on the same page. And the other interesting thing about Shermer is that he coached in Philadelphia from 1999 to 2008 with Andy Reid. Yeah, and Phil, we talked about this on a segment that we posted on DenverBroncos.com, but Broncos fans keep saying again and again, how are you going to beat the Chiefs? How are you going to slow down the Chiefs' offense? In some ways, this offense could resemble what Andy Reid does in Kansas City. And I think the nice thing about what Shermer does is he's blended that with what North Turner did, with what Chip Kelly did in Philadelphia. And so you take all those pieces, and hopefully you kind of have the best parts of each one. But, yeah, I would expect uh, more shots down the field, you know, maybe some more screen passes, get Lindsey involved. He's been really reliant on running backs in the past. Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, Phil? Yeah, I believe he uh, had Dalvin Cook for four games before Cook tore his ACL and was out for the remainder of the season, but still coached Dalvin Cook, of course. Right. He also uh, coached guys like Saquon Barkley last year, and before that, uh, LaShawn McCoy. Pretty good. Steven Jackson in uh, St. Louis. Louis. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember when the Rams were in St. Louis. Oregon State's uh, Steven Jackson. Nice. Out of Las Vegas. Steven Jackson. You should write a biography. I could. Uh, I think that people would describe Shermer's offense as sort of a power spread. Do you think that that's a fair? I have seen that on the internet. I've seen that on the internet. That's nice. I mean, so you can the... expect more wide receivers on the field. Yeah, probably uh, a lot of three wide receiver sets, which has some people saying, hey, we've heard about, you know, maybe getting a one wide receiver in the draft, but you might need to get two guys. And definitely a guy who is different, brings something different than what Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton. Right. Can you find a speedy Tyreek Deshaun Jackson? Deshaun Jackson. Exactly. Jeremy Macklin. What's Deshaun Jackson doing these days? Deshaun Jackson. Is he retired? No, I think he was in Philly. This year. Oh, he got hurt, I think. Yeah. He was in Philly. Gosh. So somebody like that who can just take the top off of, of an offense. Of a defense. Yeah. Take the top off. Put the you know? top back on. The offense. Uh, it, Keep the top on the offense. Take it off like, the defense. Just sort of take a look, though, at like a, a Chiefs offense. They got Tyreek Hill who can go over the top, and then underneath it opens up everything for Travis Kelsey. Right, but they've also got guys like Sammy Watkins, McCall yep. Hardman. Like you need those those tertiary pieces. You like that, Swanson? Swanson. Tertiary? Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. a good word. What an R move right there. Yeah. Big time. Um, so you need those guys. So even if Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant are your main two contributors, can you get a guy in free agency that's got some speed or, you know, find a guy in the draft with some speed and pick somebody else up? I mean, Sammy Watkins is a guy, you know, he's still with the Chiefs, but he might not be coming back to Kansas City next year. Could that be an option for Denver? I mean, something to something to keep an eye on. What do you think about uh, – the idea of Philip Lindsay potentially becoming a bell cow running back where he's getting the majority of looks because 
a lot of people up to this point have thought of Philip Lindsay as more of a change of of pace kind of guy. I think he showed this year and most of last year too, toward the end of the season, that he's a between the tackles runner. You know, he hasn't missed games due to injury. He's been sturdy, which kind of were all the concerns, right, coming out that he's too small to play in the NFL. That uh, that hasn't been the case. The question for me is, can he keep the explosion that he has if he's an every down back? Because it seemed to me, especially toward the end of this season, that there weren't as many runs that broke for 25 yards, for 50 yards, as we were used to seeing in 2018. And I don't know if that had something to do with you know, defense is playing close to the line of scrimmage. If that was something with the offensive line that was kind of battered toward the end of the year, but Philip Lindsay, what makes him so great is that ability to break a touchdown at any second. And so you want to find a way to preserve that. And if that means he gets 15 carries a game instead of 25, so that on one of those 15, he can break free. I think you have to do that. And I also think that Royce Freeman is too good of a back to just keep him on the bench for, for too long because he, he can pound the ball. He's great in sh- short yardage situations, scored up a, along the goal line a couple of times this year. So I do think that Royce Freeman definitely needs to be on the field more. And then uh, one of the uh, big comments that we got on that video that we posted on DenverBroncos.com, also on the Broncos official YouTube page. Love the YouTube. Check it out. Was what does this mean for Andy Janovich? Mm. Everybody loves Jano. What does it mean? Yeah, I think we truly don't know at this point because Shermer's offense isn't going to use a fullback all that much. I think I read an article somewhere that one game last year he used the fullback on maybe two or three plays. You know, it's not a consistent thing that he does. And so the Broncos, who just gave a three-year extension to Janovich, he's either going to have to be exclusively a special teams player and a really good one at that, which, which we know he is, He's going to either have to be maybe like an H-back and kind of line up out wide at times or or do, you know, kind of different things as opposed to just blocking, like maybe develop as a receiving threat. But it is interesting to think about if Shermer had been hired a year ago, if they would have said Andy Janovich is a a three-year piece of our offense. They'll find a place for him because he's a good football player, but it's not an he's the guy that it's not a natural fit for. Yeah, the Shermer traditionally not using a fullback, but Andy Janovich, too dynamic, just sort of like Royce Freeman, too good of a player to not find a role for him. So I think that they will figure out some sort of a spot for him as my best guess. When we've seen that he's athletic before, right? He had that run the first game of his career in 2016 against the Panthers for a touchdown. I think he had a maybe a touchdown catch at one point during his career. Great hands. Yeah, I mean, he's a uh, he's a good football player, not just a not just a fullback necessarily. Yeah, good and, football player. And I think that the way we've seen the Broncos special teams struggle this year, you need guys like him on special teams too. So he, he makes guys like Dalton Reisner and Garrett Bowles and people like that along the offensive line a lot better because he picks up blocks and he makes holes look bigger and he does a lot of things that maybe don't necessarily pop on paper, but maybe you don't get one of those explosive Philip Lindsay runs unless Andy Janovich makes a right read, picks up a guy who is free to make the tackle. Right, and the Broncos' rushing offense got worse over the final five games of the season, and that that lines up with 
Andy Janovich getting hurt in Minnesota. So um, I think we can see how important he was to the run game when you're running that Shanahan-style offense that Scangarello liked. And I think they'll find a way for him to be valuable in the new power spread. Power spread. You like that name, Swanson? Power spread. Da-na-na-na. Exactly. It's, it's rock and roll, rock. baby. Uh, anything else we need to touch on with Sherman? Who? Who? Shermer. You want to talk <laughs> some more about Shermer? Shermer. I like when Shermer. I go camping and you, you know, just you make some Shermers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a campfire. Wow. You know? <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> Uh, just you got something? Or no, you know, Eric is doing a mental wow. calculus over there. Yeah, <laughs> to find one and nothing. All right. Well, I think that uh, it'll be exciting to see once Shermer is introduced to uh, the media. We can talk to him, ask him some questions about what he thinks about why this was the right fit and why he felt like this was a good move for him because it was reported that he uh, had some other offers out there. Yeah, I think Chicago was looking at him, right, and. Uh... We'll hear from him on Thursday, and I think he'll be probably... Are we going to hear from him on Thursday? I believe so. Maybe. Oh. Are we? I was not uh, sure. I don't that. know. I'm not oh. sure. Maybe I dreamed Unconfirmed that. rumors. Unconfirmed. Oh. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, that is bad. Don't worry. We'll just <laughs> cut that out, right? No, there's no editing. <laughs> no, there's no editing <laughs> of the podcast. There's no editing. Sorry. And I really had a dream that there was a press release. Nope. You something's I going about wrong. Work. I dream about head. work a lot. Yeah, that's Shermer not dreams. good. <laughs> yeah. Shermer wasn't in it. Just, it was just a press release. Just a press release. You're that's Shermer all. The, I'm that, not sure. I guess that's better. But you were Shermer. There was a release. Uh huh. <laughs> nope. I think that's it then. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's let's move on to uh, a Hall of Fame snub. Randy Gratish are expected. We all thought was going to be part of the Centennial Slate class this year as the uh, Hall of Fame celebrates its 100th anniversary. We thought that there was going to be room for Randy Gratishar, one of the best Broncos linebackers, one of the best Broncos defenders of all time. We we were convinced that he was going to get selected. We Swanson woke up early Wednesday morning. Yeah, he was up at get, like 6.45. Yeah. yeah, exactly. After trying to go to sleep around 5.30 the previous night. Right. Yeah. And uh, no no news. Uh, well, there know, was news. Yeah. Well, it's just that you didn't it. get in. Yeah. Disappointing, I guess, would be the best way to put it. I feel for Randy. I feel for his family. It's a long time to wait. Yeah. All morning, you mean? A what? All morning. I think it's been 30 no. years since he's been eligible. It's crazy. The beginning of his modern era. So, yeah, he's been waiting a long time. I don't understand it, Eric. Can you try to explain to me why? I think some called it a disgrace. I did see. Uh, was that a web guy who those, did that? That or? was our friend Mike Kliss. <laughs> oh, God. Not it. a web guy. Not a web guy. Well, he works for a web, but not the web. No. Nine news. Only the select yeah, few. A, a website. Yeah. But not the web. That, no. That's what we do. We do the web. Um, yeah, I think it's tough to say because he has seven Pro Bowl selections. He's a defensive player of the year, uh, you know, an all-pro. I think where you get into it is that his tackle totals are just so high. 
you know, at what, 2039 or something like that in his career in 10 seasons. It's just, like that. it's just so high that I think sometimes it's hard for the voters to kind of fathom that number of tackles because it averages out to more than 200 tackles a year. He had almost 275 tackles in 1978. It's just, I think that for them is tough to wrap their head around. And for some reason, that seems to invalidate seven Pro Bowls, a Defensive Player of the Year award, all pros, and it shouldn't. You know, if you've got those other accolades, then the tackles shouldn't necessarily matter one way or another. Uh, Broncos PR guru Patrick Smythe. He is a guru. He tweeted out this morning that Randy Gratishar is one of ten linebackers in NFL history with seven Pro Bowls, 20 interceptions, and 13 fumble recoveries. The other nine are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you can't even talk about the tackles. Can you name them? Of Uh, course I could, but that's not good podcast content. So I'm not going to do that. We'll be here all day. You said 13 forced fumbles or fumble recoveries? 13 fumble recoveries. That's a lot. It is. Uh, the tweet goes on to say Randy's also one of five defensive players with at least seven Pro Bowls during his career from 1974 to 1983. The other four players are in the Hall of Fame. I think if you asked guys that played them that saw Randy play, they would say he's a, a Hall of Fame player. I do think where it gets difficult to say Randy should be in over you know whomever else is that a lot of these guys played at a time that you know, I didn't see him play. Phil, you were Eric. You were I'm not even your, sure if your parents were born. You were when probably he was in your thirties. <laughs> you were probably in your thirties at that time. Yes. So you you saw him play as a whippersnapper. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's where it's hard. Is if you pick, say, like Ty Law over Steve Atwater. I've seen those. Blasphemy. Go- exactly. <laughs> We've seen that. We know that that's absurd. Ty Law is in the Hall of Fame. I know over Steve Atwater. He, and well, he's saying for it's now. absurd. Yeah, I'm saying like for now. I feel more uh, confident in talking about that than I do about guys that, you know, played when the the field was on a, a tilt and, you know, they took a break from the farming to go That's play true. a quick match. I, I do. Um, I agree with you about the, t- the tackle number. It seems really high to give that some perspective. He has roughly the same amount of tackles as Ray Lewis did but in seven fewer seasons. So that puts it in a little bit of perspective there on, on the numbers. But you can't really argue about the Pro Bowl selections, first-team All-Pro twice. Some people might say, okay, he never won a Super Bowl, but he was part of a great defense. That Orange Crush defense was a, had a lot of success on the field. And it's not like it was Randy Gratishar's fault that they didn't win that 1977 Super Bowl. And his teams did have success. They went to the playoffs four times. They won the AFC West twice. So he had some success on the field. The one thing I don't like to get into is saying, well, Randy deserves it more than this guy. I well, think that's into what that. I'm saying. It's hard to be like, well, this guy doesn't deserve to be in it. And, you know, all of those players that were finalists on that centennial slate probably at some point deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. It's just it seems like this was an opportunity because Randy had just been waiting for so long. You thought maybe this was the time that that he was going to get over the hump. I did a quick uh, search 
on a website at Pro Football Reference. I don't know if you ever heard of that, Phil. I know you prefer ESPN.com for your stats. I I just you know what I like to do? I like to check my stats from a lot of websites. You know what he so actually likes to do? He likes to dream up ideas for stats and he comes into my office and says, Look this up. It's nice. Even though there's no method to do it. Dreaming up press releases. Sometimes I'd like to test Swanson. I'd be like, can you look this up just to see if he knows how to do something like that? So find this. To to confirm, you said of linebackers who were selected to at least seven Pro Bowls, intercepted 20 passes, and recovered 13 fumbles? Uh, Let me me read to you. Yeah, please. uh, Please, one more time. PR guru Patrick Smythe uh, had had to say this morning, Randy Gratishar is one of 10 linebackers Mm -hmm. In NFL history, with seven Pro Bowls, twenty interceptions, and thirteen fumble recoveries, the other nine players are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I can confirm. I found them. Like I said earlier, really not great podcast content. Well, but there's but just some interesting names on the list. I mean, you've got guys like Ray Lewis, Dick Butkus, Brian Urlacher. Good players, Hall of Famers, exactly. All Hall but, of Famers. but what we're saying is that. Randy Gratishar is in that class, you know. Exactly, he's that type of player. It just happened during a time where maybe the Broncos weren't necessarily on the map at that point. You know, it wasn't until they went to the Super Bowl, until they beat the Raiders in that AFC Championship game, that they really got national attention. I yeah, mean, they also they also kind of suffer from not having the kind of. Well, obviously the Super Bowl success that the Steelers have is great, but like the personalities, the Steelers linebackers have missing teeth and you got Mean Joe Green and all these guys and you look at the Orange Crush defense and they were legitimately great. Right. Tom Jackson had a lot of personality. It's just not the same. They don't have the same kind of caliber of legendary status as, as those guys. You ever watch Tom Jackson and Boomer? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. They were named I the Orange Crush. I know Tom Jackson. I think the difference is that like, the brag. Steelers had been on the national stage a lot and had actually won Super Bowls. Phil, do you think, uh, first, Randy, if you're listening, uh, Swanson wants you to punch one of your teeth out so you can get into the Hall of Fame. Um, Phil, do you think Denver has a bit of an inferiority complex when it comes to being compared to some of these other teams? Because it seems to me like people are like, Man, like, there's no respect for Denver. Maybe inferiority complex is the wrong word. but Rodney like, Dangerfield comes. I think the problem is is that uh, for so long they were underrepresented in the Hall of Fame, but now it's starting to change. I think only two teams have had more Hall of Famers elected in the last, uh, what is it, 10 years? Something? 13 years. 13 years. So I think have had that, six in that time frame. Yeah, so I think that they're starting to catch back up and get the respect that they deserve. Uh, I wouldn't say inferior. I would never say that about my hometown. I mean, do you think part of it is, I mean, that all that stems from is that the Broncos had such an inauspicious start to their franchise where the first 15 years basically were really rough. And yeah. so that when they started getting good, people still wrote them off and they still looked at, at Denver as like this cow town and – that kind of lingered into the, you know, into the national conversation with Hall of Fame, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think that they started to get the respect they deserved until Elway really put them on the map. Right. So, you know, and Pat Bowen had a lot to do with with the recognition and uh, putting, you know, 
football on the map in the Rocky Mountains. So uh, I don't think it, ha- it happened until maybe the late 80s until it's, they really started to get the the attention they deserved. So, but it's a process of catching up at this point. But I will say for Randy's sake, people knew that he was really good. He was the 14th overall pick out of Ohio State. So like it's not like he came out of nowhere and became a really good player. I mean, right. people yeah. knew about Randy coming out of Ohio State that – you know, made him a first-round pick. So Woody Hayes not, called him the best linebacker he ever coached. He's not a Carl Mecklenburg in that sense. Exactly. Right. I believe Carl Mecklenburg was drafted in the thirty-second uh, round of the draft. <laughs> Incorrect. What round do you think he was drafted in? The twelfth. Yeah, something like that. No, it's the twelfth. It's the twelfth. So probably the, right around twelve. Somewhere over, between right twelfth or thirty-two. Right around twelve is probably where. Mecklenburg was drafted, probably, probably. Same draft as Elway, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mecklenburg has been on record as saying that, like, if he came up in the league now, he doesn't even think he'd make the team because so much of what made Mecklenburg a great player was his instinct and his ability to, like, hit guys and, like, just break up a play that nowadays, all the way leading up to the end of training camp, you're not doing as much hitting he thinks that maybe he wouldn't even be recognized nowadays, which is crazy because Mech is one of the best linebackers to come through here. It's crazy. But that I do is think, crazy. I do think with uh, each time something like this happens, maybe you, you start to get a little bit more momentum. People tend to be like, oh, dang, he got snubbed there. And then you put that name on the back burner for next year. And one of these days, it, I think Randy's time uh, – it's it's just a matter of time. I agree with you, Phil. You agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's enough about the past. Let's talk about the let's talk about the future. Let's talk about the Pro Bowl because <laughs> we found out on uh, Wednesday that uh, Cortland Sutton's heading to the Pro Bowl. What do you think about that? Ben Swanson's going to the Pro Bowl. Ben Swanson no. is going to the Pro Bowl. Yes, yeah. I'll be going there with him. What are you going to do with them? You know, I'll be taking uh, taking some cameras, doing some A work, you know, uh, following him and Vaughn around. And hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get one another guy or so. Um, but we'll see because Kareem Jackson is a, an alternate, but it doesn't seem super likely that he'll go. And Deontay Spencer is also an alternate. So hopefully we'll get another guy. But at the moment, it'll be cool to see uh, how Cortland starts to interact with some of his colleagues and, at the elite level here. so Sutton uh, uh, had a great season, 72 receptions, more than 1,000 yards receiving, and six touchdowns. He has the most receiving yards and touchdowns, that's 10, by a Bronco through his first two seasons. And last season, Sutton was tied for second in the NFL with big play receptions, 16, a big play reception, 25 or more yards. Shout out season and review. Exactly. He's also, so, uh, I think, the the fastest Bronco receiver to make their first Pro Bowl. A couple of guys did it in their third year, but no receiver's ever done it in their second year for the Broncos. Also the first Broncos receiver to make the Pro Bowl since Emmanuel Sanders and DT went back in 2016. So a, a nice accomplishment, recognition for a guy that deserved it. And Phil, when he didn't get it initially... He felt slighted. Yes. 
he went out to his press conference. Every question he was asked about the Pro Bowl, he says, it is what it is. You could tell it bothered him and that it was going to motivate him. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that he's going. I'm glad that he got this recognition because as uh, Archie Manning told Drew Locke, you can't, when you're, you can't be undefeated after two games if you don't win your first game. Corlin Sutton, you can't make your second Pro Bowl if you don't make your first one. Is that what Archie said? Yeah. You can't win them all if you don't win the first one. I think that's what he said. I'm not sure if he you said. kind of pulled a fill there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if he said, well, you can't be 2-0 and after two games if you if you don't become 1-0 and off the bat. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good little roast. <laughs> Loses a little bit of its uh, pizzazz. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, Eric, you'll be heading down to the Senior Bowl next week. I will be. Where is that? I was hoping you'd tell me. I need to book some oh. flights. Um, Mobile, Alabama, Phil. Mobile. A wonderful little town. It is nice. I do enjoy Mobile, a nice little southern historic town. Yeah, you're from around there, right? I'm also from the south, <laughs> yep. uh, North Carolina, Yep. Um, which is also the east coast. But Mobile, not the east coast. Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast, Gulf for sure. Coast. Yeah, Gulf uh, Coast. But maybe get some oysters down at Winsel's. Oysters? Uh-huh. Maybe a, uh, maybe go to Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras was going on the last time we were there. Very different yeah. Mardi Gras than New Orleans. That's true. But Mardi Gras was the invented yeah. in, in Mobile. Mobile. Yeah. Correct. More family-oriented. Maybe I'll have a, uh, a nice dinner at Veet's, which is known for its dinners. <laughs> Great establishment. But, Phil, this is kind of the uh, one of the first stops, if you want to think about it, in terms of the evaluation of college players the path to the draft if you will presented by ford uh if you want (laughs) to talk about it that way now this kind of seems obvious but the senior bowl only open to players who were seniors in college and who graduated so um some of the older quarterbacks will be there i believe justin herbert will be there uh jordan love i think from utah state steven montez he will be there quarterback from chibuffs Exactly, chip buffs. Skull buffs. Skull uh, buffs. So it'll be interesting to see those guys, but of course, John Elway will be down there evaluating. Um, we'll get a chance, we think, to talk to him. What would you? What are you going to ask him? Well, I'm interested in his thoughts about this offensive coordinator change mm. because he talked about kind of the need for continuity, but we also know that John likes big moves that can result in uh, action. Money moves. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe Shermer's a money move. Could be. So I'm interested to hear what he thinks about that. It's possible that, uh, you know, other news could be coming. You know, if the Broncos are going to play in London, perhaps. Last year that was around announced around this time. So maybe if the Broncos are headed there, maybe John's got some thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you don't even have to know that. To, uh, just ask him about it to see what That's he thinks. True. I could know? just ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of things uh, It'd going be better on if we knew, board. right? It would it would be a little bit juicier if you knew. But John Elway talks about hypothetical London game. <laughs> yeah, talks about the possibility. Yeah. I will say the Broncos have found uh quite a bit of talent at the Senior Bowl the last couple of years. Dalton Reisner was uh at the Senior Bowl last year. The year before that, the guys like uh, Deshaun Hamilton were there, Isaac Yadam. So they've gone back to that pool of 
when they were recruiting or scouting guys at the uh, Senior Bowl, they take those notes and then uh, could make an impression upon, you know, uh, some personnel people. Well, plus, you know, we kind of see all these underclassmen that are so good, but there's a lot of talented seniors that are coming out too. You look back to a couple of years ago when the Broncos were there, DJ Shark, yep. I think he played against the Broncos in that game and had a tremendous game. He's obviously now one of the league's best young wide receivers. So, um, yeah, definitely a chance to see some talent firsthand. It's kind of a more relaxed environment, Phil, I would say, than the than the combine. You know, you probably get a it's little definitely. more time to spend with guys. Um, the you're down there is, with some, some southern hospitality. I like the, it. I like it down there. The combine is a pressure-packed situation because yes. you're getting a lot of medical done. I mean, that's the most important part about the weekend is the medical part of things, your measurements. And then, of course, on the field, running that 40 time and all of those things, it's it's a stressful period of time. Plus, every single prospect is is coming through there, unless you're Phil Lindsay. That's true. But, ouch. You know, you're talking about hundreds of guys just coming through there, and it's a it's a it's a busy week. The combine's interesting because you can kind of look back and like think about, oh, what did Drew Locke say at the combine? You know, exactly. Or like Bradley Chubb oh. was there, and he talked about being a combo of Khalil Mack and Von Miller. And yeah, then boom, he's playing with Von Miller. Yeah, it's crazy. Kind of makes you think a little bit. So uh, those two uh, big things coming up next week for the Broncos. Now, uh, Phil, you're not going anywhere. I think I, I think I was just going to take a little bit of vacation time. I don't know about you. Well, you're already not doing a whole lot, so. I think I'll probably be gearing up for a big week down at the Super Bowl. I think I'm Swans- just going to be staying in Florida. <laughs> I think Swanson um, and I are also going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> Swanson, what was that? I think um, a a bunch a of little bird. tin cans yeah. fell over. So we'll probably be taking this show on the road, huh? That could yeah. be nice. That could be a, f- a little road I'll trip. Call Maybe next week mobile. we can. Yeah, next week we can all call in. Yeah, Swanson, we'll let you know what the number is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Swanson. We'll, we'll tell you what time. You in. Yeah. Don't worry. About Eleven p.m. Eastern. Yeah. We'll give you the phone number. Just Don't worry about perfect. it. Yeah, love it. Uh, should we get to uh, some listener emails? Got a lot of emails, Phil. Yeah, we, we did. did. You know, you ask and you receive. Swanson, we asked for huh? emails and we got them. How do people uh, email this show? You can email the show at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Wow. But that's not all. Seems easy. Wow. What else can people do? Be- people can also leave voicemails for us through our Neutral Zone hotline. That is 707 Neutral or 707 638 8725. So drop us a line. Leave us a note. Let us hear your thoughts. Give us your hot takes. Uh, We got a lot of emails this week. Uh, One from a a big fan down in South Africa, Eric. He says, uh, while he was paying suppliers at work, I had some white noise on in the background because we made a joke about the show being white noise. And he said, uh, it's probably the only time my boss has heard me laughing while paying suppliers. Do you know why he was laughing? Because he... Because I was saying funny stuff. Derek Wolf. Oh, Derek. Derek of the Week. I forgot Derek of the Week was Derek Wolf. Now, he also said that he wants a medium shirt. So if you could start filling out those orders we've been getting. Yeah, I'll pay the suppliers. (laughs) We got to look into the T-shirts here. Who sent that email? 
Uh, it was from South Africa. I think Honko is what it says. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Apologies I didn't want to try to, if uh, we're mispronouncing it. But yes. So thank you for the email. Yeah. You have another one there, Phil? What sort of suppliers um, do you think he was paying? I'm not sure. But South I don't Africa. know if that's worth speculating. Yeah. Uh, we speculate we a, on all sorts of things. We got another email from uh, Ross. He's a big fan in Melbourne, Australia. Neutral Zone is going worldwide. Obviously, uh, with the fires down there in Australia, we're thinking about them down there. And Adam Gotts is doing a lot of work trying to raise uh, some funds down there to help with all the brush fires. Yes. So, uh, Ross, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully, uh, everyone is safe down there. And uh, the Australian Open uh, right around the corner, too. Or did it already start? I saw somebody unsure was trying to qualify, but they had uh, there's so much smoke in the air that they had to withdraw. Mm. Yeah. Are, are we going to co- talk about Ross's point? Because I kind of thought it was interesting. Well, you mean the fact that he's been a Broncos fan for 20 years now? And that the show helps him feel connected? That's interesting. But also his point about Drew Locke. That's weird because I'm. I was going to read the email, but you have them already. You seem like you were moving on. No, no, no. You have the emails. Phil was more interested in golf that. on a football podcast. I, I don't know. Jesus Christ, Swanson! I'm talking about tennis. Oh, whatever. God, <laughs> I don't think you can say Jeez. that guy's name on the podcast. <laughs> All right, here, here is uh, the question. I have a question regarding Drew Locke's offseason. I liked what I saw from him in the five games down the home stretch. I feel like, uh, or I feel that was originally perceived as one of his weaknesses coming out of the draft actually helped him behind Denver's offensive line, which was occasionally struggled in protection. I'm not sure what that sentence means. A knock on Drew... I think he's saying that Missouri's offensive line struggled in protection, and so Drew would kind of flee the pocket. That's what he's trying to say. He's saying Denver's offensive line, which occasionally struggled in protection. Keep reading. A knock on Drew was that he often made too many throws off balance or with unorthodox sidearm throwing motion. However, this probably allowed him to be more accurate as a starter because he was consistently under pressure. Joe Flacco, uh, not as mobile, of course, so uh, his squ- question to us, he called a scholar gentleman, which is nice. How I do think, coaches handle Drew's development this offseason? Do they try to have him focus on a more prototypical type of throwing motion with the footwork throwing process, or do they encourage his instinctive play that we've already seen? I think that's a good point by Ross that some of the things that were talked about as weaknesses for Drew, that he doesn't always set his feet, that he has – you know, kind of that sidearm throwing motion at times, um, that he has a tendency to, like, get outside the pocket. Those are those can all be positives, and I think that he's right that at times when the offensive line broke down, Joe Flacco was kind of like a sitting duck back there, but Drew, because of that athleticism, his ability to go off script, he was able to make some plays. Uh, to answer your question, Ross, I think they'll try to continue to drill that more prototypical footwork into his game, uh, continue to teach him how to play as a pocket passer, an NFL quarterback. But I do think they'll want him to keep those instincts that he has when the play breaks down, because that's what, I mean, not every play is going to be nice and tight and cozy in the pocket. Like you've got to occasionally make those crazy plays. Like we see Patrick Mahomes make. 
And so I don't think you ever want to take that out of his game entirely. Yeah, and you see guys like Phillip Rivers, really unorthodox throwing motion, but guess what? It works for him. So I think that at this point, it's been working all his life for him. I don't think you want to change too much. You don't want to make him into the quarterback you want him to be. You just got to let him become the quarterback that he can become. You want the best version of Drew Locke. So there are things that he can obviously work on. And, uh, you know, you want his accuracy to improve a little bit, which was a knock coming out of college, Eric, I believe. But uh, I, I don't think you want to take away or make him think too much about that kind of stuff. You know, the last thing you want is when the pass rush is coming after him and he's running and then he's thinking like, oh, what, was, what am I supposed to be doing with my feet or like how am I supposed to do it? No, you just want him playing instinctively. Yeah. So maybe maybe you try to work on some things. Maybe he'll work on some things with some of his uh, QB guru type of people this offseason. I think we mentioned that a little bit this uh, on the podcast, but I bet you that that's what he'll do. Try to hone in on some of those things, but don't change too much about what got you to this point. Swanson, we got another one? Yeah, this one's from Brian, who uh, apparently had lost his voice temporarily. So... If you can't call in, please write us a note. Brian, we look forward to another call. He says he's excited about next season, starting with the draft. I think we should trade up for the DB from Ohio State, then use the next two picks on offense. Wide receiver is deep this year, so we should be able to land a good one who has synergy with Cortland. I think he's referring to Ohio State cornerback uh, Jeff Okuda. Thanks, Phil, Eric, and Ben for this podcast. Gives me something to look forward to during the offseason. Keep it up. Let's go Broncos. I think Akuda would be a tremendous pick for the Broncos. It's kind of funny that Swanson added his own name in there. <laughs> a little I, bit strange. I swear yeah, he put my name in there. In there. Um, a little bit strange, but yeah, I uh, Okuda, if he was there at fifteen, would be tremendous. And I even think, hey, if he falls to nine or ten, if there's a run on quarterbacks or um, wide receivers or something like that, and he's sitting there at nine or ten and. John Elway says, let's give up one of these second-round picks or let's give up a third-round pick and move up. I'd be okay with that because he seems like an elite talent. And at that position, to get like a franchise kind of cornerback, yeah, that's kind of invaluable in, in this day and age. That said, I don't think he's going to be available anywhere near 8 or 9 or 10, so I don't even think that's going to be a possibility. He seems like a potential top-five draft pick. But there are other options, I think, you're probably not off, uh, Brian, to say that the Broncos' top two picks could be a cornerback and a wide receiver in some order. Um, a couple of mock drafts have said that Henry Ruggs from Alabama could be a potential receiver going to the Broncos at 15. But those those two positions to me, Phil, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, are probably the two biggest priorities. Yeah, I would, and you might want to throw an O-line there, maybe defensive line possibly, depending on free agency, but... Yeah, there's a lot of things that could uh, uh, determine which direction the Broncos go in here. Free agency, the biggest one. It's it's hard to tell quite the direction the Broncos like to take there because they did take some chances last year in free agency. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they go back out. Don't forget Bryce Callahan is going to be added to this roster, so um, they could go in free agency again. Maybe they try to make a play to keep Chris Harris. Um, and then may, if not, maybe they, they go elsewhere in free agency. But, yeah, it seems like uh, Akuda might be gone when the Broncos are going to be picking. According to Todd McShay of ESPN's, his most recent big board, uh, Okuda is fourth on the big board. So 
that'd be a steep price to pay to get up up there to grab him. But the Broncos do have a lot of draft capital, so if they really felt strongly about a, a guy, maybe it's not going from fifteen to you know top five or something. But yeah, fifteen to ten, fifteen to twelve, they do have some room to play and. There's a lot that's going to happen from now until the draft. So The thing I like about a guy like Okuda and other big cornerbacks is that he kind of would fill a spot there that the Broncos don't necessarily have. I mean, Bryce Callahan is 5'9", 185 pounds. He's a smaller guy. Okuda, though, is, you know, he's six foot one, 200 pounds. That's a pretty big three or four inches there is a pretty big difference from a cornerback standpoint. And so I think if you can find a big physical corner that'd be nice i mean that's kind of what you had right with chris harris and akib talib you know chris harris was that smaller speedy guy akib talib was the physical bigger cornerback that would match up against guys like amari cooper and so if the broncos are able to not that chris harris didn't handle those guys okay this year but if you're able to find a more prototypical big corner i think that could be good and chris said that look i my biggest strength is playing in the slot right so I mean, he even admitted himself maybe that's not his strongest suit. Right. So maybe if you had Bryce Callahan and uh, a new bigger corner on the outside and Chris Harris in the slot, that could be a nice kind of combo there. But really hard to speculate at this point in time if Chris Harris will be back. Uh, Just so I'm clear, you think that the Broncos could uh, move up to get Okuda? Yes. He kind of said that, yeah. I think uh, Broncos could uh, move up. To oh. get a coulda. Are you trying to make a, a pun? No? Coulda? Coulda? I think Okuda? if they get Jeff, they'd have uh, no worries. Okuda Matata. Okuda Matata, yeah. That's true. But Eric's just... it would be upsetting to miss out on a guy like that. So probably wouldn't, you would have some worries maybe. May- I said if they got him, they wouldn't have worries. Oh, if they got him. Yeah. Yeah, they would not. Okuda yeah, Matata. It would definitely be Okuda Matata. Yeah. That was tremendous by me. I might that was, just be, good. I might be yeah, done with the podcast. Swanson, you got anything? No, I would just like to keep encouraging our fans to reach out. We have some other emails, right? <laughs> Did you want to get to another one? Maybe one more. Okay, okay. I think one uh, email sure seemed like they were missing Emily. <laughs> it did. <laughs> oh, Valeria? this one's from John. Elway? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, he opted not to try to spell Eric's name at all. <laughs> Smart guy. Yeah. Uh, he says, said he learned from Monica. Yeah, he says, guys. Except he... Uh, Are you going to read it? Well, he misspelled Flacco several times. It's okay. We all make mistakes. Phil, you go ahead and read it. Well, I, I'll skim uh, parts of it. Uh, John, he's calling from Florida, or he's uh, emailing from Florida. He he disagrees that the Broncos should keep Flacco. Essentially, yeah. You know, he said that uh, he also misspelled Lock. He kept calling him Luck, but uh, he just thinks that uh, you don't want a guy like Flacco because initially Flacco said, "Like, look, it's not my job to really help help a guy like Lock coming in." But uh, I do think that Flacco ultimately ended up helping Locke a lot. Yeah. So I do think some sort of backup quarterback, and maybe if Eli Manning changes his mind, uh, Pat Shermer being here could maybe maybe another Manning heads to Denver. I exactly. do think in some way or another, a veteran is going to be Locke's backup. He did, then, uh, he did say he missed Emily's wonderful voice, and he also would he propose. So He did. We've got a little bit of a 
Emily said she wouldn't take proposals over voicemail. We'll Emily, see about email. Emily, what about email? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, Goodbye. And then uh, John also forgot to uh, mention one other thing. Swanson? Oh. I think he meant Yes, yes. He, he added a second email. He forgot something. Forgot to mention, I want the Packers to win the Super Bowl, but I'm afraid they can't get past San Francisco or the Chiefs. Being born in Milwaukee makes me a cheesehead after my Broncos, even though I was only there a month. So is this a reference to something with cheese? I don't know. Cheese whiz? Yes. Cheese whiz away was his uh, email signature. I'm not uh, – you have to remind me. Phil, um, due to some legal jargon – it wasn't possible for us to, um, you know, capture a video of any potential cheese whiz on your face because the Packers beat the Seahawks in advance to the NFC title game. But if, for some hypothetical reason, you and I would have had a little conversation about the Packers going to the NFC title game way back in week three, and then the Packers, you know, did, did that. Did make it to Yeah, then yeah. hypothetically maybe – Today, you got a lot of cheese whiz on your face, and we drew some glasses on you with cheese whiz and hypothetically covered your entire face with a whole can of American cheese whiz. I mean, hypothetically, that would be funny. It was hypothetically American cheese whiz, right? Yes. Good. Local yeah, industry. hypothetically, that would have... Uh, what would it have felt like, hypothetically? felt uh, very strange on my face, I, I would imagine. Yeah. And, but... Uh, in this hypothetical situation, there was no harming of the hair, correct? Correct. Now, how, how did that yeah. happen? What or do you mean? Hypothetically, yeah. Yeah. how Jeez. would have that happened, I guess? A uh, trash bag on the hair, I would assume. Mm. And uh, hypothetically, it would probably have taken me a long time to wash my face off. Face off. Is that a reference? Yeah. Hypothetically, would it have been worth it? Hypothetically, I thought Pete Carroll should have definitely got for fourth late in that game. <laughs> yeah. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, I was uh, sweating it a little bit when the Packers' 18-point halftime lead disintegrated in front of my eyes and Russell Wilson had the ball left, had the ball with, you know, three or four minutes left and had a chance to take the lead with a touchdown. It's true. I heard you scrunch oh. the hood of your hoodie all the way down over your eyes. I did. <laughs> And hypothetically speaking, uh, I actually watched the game. That's not hypothetical. No, I know that. But I'm saying hypothetically, uh, we had to clean up a lot of cheese whiz. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you got a couple of picks. That would have been crazy. Yeah. You got some picks? Huh? You got some picks for this weekend? Oh, 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 oh sure. Let's see. What, what uh, games we got going? We got Packers at 49ers. Yep. You know, I think everyone who's referencing the past game between these two teams where the 49ers just knocked the snot out of them. I think that's a little overblown. But I do still think that the 49ers will advance at home in a, in a close game. Saw a stat today that uh, title games, AFC and NFC title games, that are rematches from the regular season. I don't know if this is in the last 10 years or something like that. But the the team that won in the regular season is 6-1 and one in the rematch. So... That, That's, of course, happened when the Broncos yeah. went to the Super Bowl in 2015. Yep. Yeah. That I just think game. that the 49ers are really good. Yeah. 
Did the Vikings win last week? They did not. No, they didn't. That's okay, because hypothetically I didn't get any cheese whiz on my face for the Vikings not winning. That's true. What about the other game, Phil? Titans, oh, just a magical sorry. run. Phil, who are you picking? I can barely hear what Niners. you're saying oh. with all this cheese hypothetical hypothetically cheese. in my ear. Yeah. I would, well, like, I would like to make my pick. Oh, sorry, Swanson. I'm also going with the 49ers. Yeah, I just think that they got some guys back. Quan Alexander, they're rocking and rolling. And it seems like they... Uh, that offense is going to be hard to uh, keep up with, and the defense is obviously rolling. So what about on the AFC side? Well, I, just, I do think the Packers, you know, with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, the Smith brothers, they played really well against Seattle. And so if they're going to have any chance, they got to get after Garoppolo. That's, they do. A, that's the thing that I worry about with the 49ers is Garoppolo doesn't have this experience before. Aaron Rodgers, you know, has played in a lot of NFC title games. How many of those has he won? Two, I believe. Mm, but he's played in a lot, so he's been there. I don't know how many he's been in. I would guess four or five. I do remember the collapse in Seattle. Right. There was that one. Uh, they played the Falcons, I believe. The Falcons the, the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and got smacked. Mm. Um, but I just think that Jimmy's still got to prove to me that he can win the game, you know, and so we'll see if he can do that. How about on the AFC side? Man, I want to pick the Titans. I really do. What they've done the last two weeks has been really impressive going into New England, going to Baltimore. I thought Baltimore was going to be too much offensively, but the defense played well. Um, you know, Derrick Henry's just unbelievable right now. But I think that the Chief, every playoff team, Phil, has kind of a scare, you know? And sometimes you get over it and you go on and you win the Super Bowl. And sometimes you don't get over it. Like the Ravens, for example, did not get over it, they lost. But to me, the Chiefs falling behind 24 nothing was their scare. And now that they're past that, they're going to roll. Interesting. So I uh, think the Chiefs will win. Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. What? And we're going to be very sad. Um, your Rick of the Week is playing in that game, right? Yeah, Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The first player in NFL history with three consecutive 180-yard rushing games. That's one of those stats that's, you know, like 180-yard rushing games, 25 carries, uh, you know, like wore white shoes. Like they, You can find a stat for anything. I will say this. I'll say when the Titans were heading to New England, I said, no way will the Titans go to New England and beat them. New England, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, no way. Proven wrong. Last week... Hey, no way the Titans are going up against the number one seed in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, no way. Proven wrong. I'm not going to make the same mistake three times in a row. No. I'm taking the Titans. Wow. I'm taking the Titans. Just any wishful thinking there? Or? And I'll yeah, put that... a little asterisk and say that uh, there's zero chance that I can take the Chiefs. So okay. I <laughs> can't, cannot do it. I unfortunately so I will be. To. Taking the Chiefs. I just I think refuse. they're too good. However, Derrick Henry is so impressive. He's in the past eight games, including the postseason here, he has 1,273 yards in hey. half a season's time. In oh this time God. of year, it's about who's going to win the line of scrimmage, and I think that the Titans can do that. If they can – I'll say this. They're built perfectly to go against a team like the Chiefs because true. they dominate time of possession. So if they hmm. can do that, I think they'll win. The The big thing is they cannot fall behind early. Oh. Right. 
So if they fell behind early, that Chiefs d- offense, it, it is uh, debilitating. I just think Andrew Andy Reid has been so good at once he figures out, you know, it might take him a quarter, but once he figures out what you can't stop, he just goes to it again and again. And in the case of the Chiefs against the Texans, it was that they couldn't stop Travis Kelsey. And once they kind of figured that out, it was over. Yeah. And really, you know, like the Chiefs scored once to make it 24 to 7. And I think we were all texting and said, this is bad news. They yeah. just, even when the Texans were up 24 nothing, it never felt like the game was over. Yeah, and that so, offense is ridiculous. And so that's where the challenge is for the Titans is that if the if the Chiefs offense plays like that, I mean, you got to hope they have an off day or something because when they play like that, they're borderline unstoppable. Exactly. If you're the Titans, you can't, you know, you can hope for a couple of special teams miscues like they had, but gosh, it, it seems unlikely that they'd follow up that week with another performance like that and give them some more chances. Some hope, though, for uh, the Titans. They did beat the Chiefs earlier this year at home. So that rematch that maybe could be good for the Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry in that game, 23 carries, 188 yards, and two touchdowns. That's pretty good. I, I just think that they're built to to win a game like this. Well, and Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, he would be along the likes of uh, Brad Johnson, somebody like Trent Dilfer, somebody who a good quarterback but manages the situation. Yeah, I think that that's what uh, that's the category I'd put him in, and you know, I think that the Titans should really thank the Broncos. They should thank the Broncos. The Broncos beat them <laughs> sixteen to nothing, knocked Marcus Mariota out of that game. He got benched, and since then, I think the Titans knocked are, out gives a uh, injury connotation. Yes, so they got him benched. Got him benched. Since then, the Titans are nine and three, I believe. Amazing. Um, yeah, the Broncos beat the Titans. Didn't yeah. beat any of the finalists, though. Lost to Green Bay and uh, the Broncos. But they almost, I mean, if it had been a Houston-Tennessee AFC championship, the Broncos would have beaten both the AFC finalists. As rough Is as, that something where they would bring in the Broncos? Exactly. Or? Like, now the Broncos get to play. <laughs> as, rough, as rough as the season was for the Broncos, they can always remember the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Like I'll laugh at anything, but it's I nice. like that one. It's nice, yeah. You know, especially if the Titans go to uh, the Super Bowl. That's true. You'll remember the Titans. You will forever remember. Yeah. Weak side. Nope. Left side, strong side. Okay, I'll just go home now. You want to hypothetically <laughs> make a cheese whiz wager? No, thank you. No hypotheticals for me. I don't deal ever in, again. I, I don't deal in hypotheticals. Mm. Just like I'm hypothetically not scratching off cheese whiz from my shirt. <laughs> uh, any shout outs to get to this week? Uh, I guess I'd like to shout out to Adam Gossis. We kind of touched on his uh, charitable work. He started a website to help. Um, I guess. I guess raise some funds for a few organizations in his in his. Uh, home country of Australia. Home you, continent. Yes, home continent, too. No, home country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, country his, isn't. His uh, website is greenandgoldunite.org. So head over there. I think he's also uh, doing a, an auction of some of his uh, some Broncos memorabilia at dbron.co slash Australia. So, nice. What, what was the first uh, website one more time? 
green and gold unite dot org dot org org what about like dot au or anything after that or no no did i say dot au i was just oh wondering if, there, if it was part of it oh man we need to end this thing any other shout outs shout out liz manis Sh- of course shout out liz manis i think she helped adam gotsis set that up perhaps i think so if not some so. good credit for her yeah shout out dalton reisner was in the community this week Steve Atwater was in the community. Steve's always in the community. The main man? The main man. The main man. Wow. The season may have ended. The work in the community goes on. Sort of. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Yeah. All right, anything else to talk talk about? I don't think so. I think. Oh, Swanson, lyrics, please. Lyrics, Lyrics, I mean. Oh. You know, during the season, that, that was like a once every two episodes kind of thing. So I was thinking maybe we could just keep it on that kind of track, except mm. for not next week because I'll be at the Pro Bowl. Uh, during the season, we had limericks every single week. Yes. Oh, you didn't tell so, me that. I Weren't you here I, for the I, podcast? I brought that up to you. And you, you said, okay. The, uh, okay. Let me just make a note of this. Podcast <laughs> yeah. supervisor. Yeah, I'm the podcast audition. supervisor. Can I decide that? Put that. You, you're the podcast supervisor? Give me a break. You're trying out for the role. I thought after about 20 weeks, it kind of just kicked in. You put that in his file? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Good, good, good. All right. You, you want me to put the other thing too? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. You mean the one before we started recording? Yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, it's been a tough week for Swanson. Three demerits. Right right there with Randy Gratishard. Tough weeks. Uh. <laughs> yep. All right, well, on that note, uh, a good show that we just had there. Yeah, good job, Phil. Nice work. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We talked about Pat Shermer becoming the Broncos' offensive coordinator, what the Broncos' offense could look like. What do we call that? Power spread. Power spread. Uh, We talked about the disgrace. Randy Gratishar not getting in as part of the uh, centennial slate. We uh, talked about Corlin Sutton going to the Pro Bowl. Senior Bowl, and then we uh, read off some emails. Swanson, what's the, uh, how, do the, how do they do that again? Well, you can email us at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com, or you can drop us a line over the phone, 707-NEUTRAL, and the, uh, the number for that is 707-638-8725. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. We'll be back again next week. Uh, we'll be spread all around the country. But we'll be together in oh, our hearts. Exactly. And we'll be together here on the Neutral Zone. So until then, for Ben Swanson, Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The The Neutral Neutral Zone. Zone.